Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? There is nothing like the corporate anointing, nothing on this earth that can compare. I know that we can come into God's presence in our prayer closets and during our daily devotion, but it, it seems like it does. there's nothing that touches, amplifies, empowers, strengthens, and imparts like the corporate anointing when we come together as a church. And, uh, you know, it's one of the best things that we could do throughout the month and throughout the week is continue to gather together, not only on, on Sundays, but also in our small groups. And if you're not involved in a small group yet, then just get a hold of Pastor Nija or Crystal or I or Lucas and or Pastor Nija and we'll, we'll help you find one this week. Praise the Lord. Hey, open up your, your Bible to this, Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs chapter 30. You know, I was meditating this week. Um, I've been having some conversations with some of my, my older kids. And, and, and there was something that I recalled when I was 17 years old. Now, I, I was, I was an, a young person in my grade. I graduated at 17. And um, for some reason, I always looked older than what I was. And now it's just the opposite. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> and and so I'm just I just want to check okay I can say I can tell you so I used to go up to the bar in New Virginia Iowa and it was a, it had a restaurant hooked in with it and I would go to that bar and at 17 years old and I would close the bar out every night after I graduated just, just drinking and I remember that that I watched certain families and I remember there was this particular couple that they had a really, really good job. And both of them had good jobs. And I remember, but they were at the bar every single night. They weren't church attenders. And I would watch their kids come in. And I remember how their kids would talk to them. And it really made an impact in my life. And I remember watching the way they interacted with other people. I remember, I remember walking outside and even looking at their vehicles, which, you know, they had really good jobs, but their vehicles were dented and they were rusted. And, I mean, they were newer vehicles. They just were, I mean, falling apart. And I had visited their home and same thing about their home. But, you know, there was a restaurant part in there, too. And so I would watch families that go to church come in with their kids and they would sit over in this area, and you know, I'm hiding up here at the bar so my mom and dad don't see me. And I'm, I'm watching these people come in, but there was a difference in their life. They, they would come in and their kids, they, they respected their parents, they communicated with their parents. You know, I, I remember they just carried themselves different. There was something I was seeing spiritual that I was trying in, to interpret into a physical world. And I remember, you know, I thought about their vehicles and I thought about their possessions and I thought about, you know, their, their relationships with other people. And it was like a different world. It was like they were living in the world of light and, and the other couple was living in the world of darkness. And that made an incredible impression upon me. And at age 17, I began to ponder this stuff about God might be real. And over the years, I, I, I've, been, I've been developing, um, catching a hold of some things, some disciplines that make us different. 
You know, the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And we're to come out and be separate, yet we're to be effective in the world. And these are just nine things that I wrote down this week that, that I've been pondering since the age of 17 that tend to make a difference in our lives. The first is, I notice that people who are in their Bible daily tend to be like Christians on steroids. They, they tend to be of hot, they tend to understand more about God. They tend to uh, know more about God. They tend to stay away from things that, that might be questionable. Number two, people who, who are living that way above maybe you'd say the curse that's on this earth uh, above the rest of the world that they're separate is, is there people of constant prayer now i don't mean that they see, we spend a half an hour in prayer at a time but you know we start our day in prayer we end our day in prayer and we're constantly asking god talking to god asking him about how should i view this what should i do next the third is people who really make a difference and rise above what I would call the curse that's on this earth, they practice a habit of considering their ways. In other words, they just don't wake up in the morning and, and, and they say, okay, I'm running late, and the rest of the day they're like a pinball in a pinball machine bouncing from one circumstance to the next, putting out one fire uh, and then putting out another, uh, one emergency to the next. People who consider their ways, what they do is they wake up and they thank God. They have gratitude in their life. And at the end of the day, they say, God, thank you for today. What could I have done better? Show me what opportunities I miss. Show me. Consider your ways. And that's an intentional way of living. No, number four, you guys know this. People who are really, who are Christians that are, that are living above what I call the curse on this earth, they love God and they love people. They, 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 they lead people to Jesus. And they always have somebody around them that they're teaching them how to follow Jesus. And they usually start from scratch with people. In other words, they weren't a Christian, they became a Christian, and now they're teaching them how to be a Christian. And if you're a Christian, then you must be a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Is this too deep, too fast? I mean, this is just the, the introduction, praise the Lord. At number five, they're generous. Number six, they attend church regularly. No, number seven, they are either in a, in a weekly uh, a Bible study with other people or they're participating in a small group. And, 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 and number seven, are you ready for this? They live intentionally with joy. Boy, that's something I'm still learning. I was, I, was, I was raised in an atmosphere that you lived intentionally in gloom and you lived intentionally in, in, in being busy and the more busy you appeared to be, then the better you were. That's why people always say, Pastor, you're so busy. I'm not too busy for people, but I walk so fast with intention to intention. I need to take the time and remind myself, I need to do this with joy, not just for myself, but for those around me. So today, I want to talk to you about the, the number one 
thing that will cause you and cause me to live what I call above the curse, to, to live a life of difference, to live, to live a life that, that you can tell that one there's something different about them. They, they, they know God. They, they, they must touch God. They must, they, they must, they, they must spend time with him because I can see something in their life that is not in the lives of those that don't, and that is, that is the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. The Psalms, or Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God proves true. He's a shield for all who come to him for protection. Every word of God is true. Can I get an amen? Everything that you find in the word of God is from God. Everything that you find in your Bible is from God. Yes, men wrote it as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But do you understand, it's not just an inspired book. It is an infallible book. And that is a difficult thing even for Christians to accept. But when you accept by faith that the Bible is God's word, saying you don't have to understand it, something will be transformed in your life. Doorways will open for wisdom and revelation and insight that you never had before. But it is a step of faith. You can't make this step in your mind or through logic or through perception but an act of your will you say God I am choosing I am choosing your word I am choosing to believe that the Bible is your word Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit he fasted for 40 days without food and without water. So at the end of 40 days, he was hungry and he was thirsty. And the devil came to Jesus and, and he said, now listen, if you really are the son of God, you know, here he's, he's at the weak, weak point of his flesh. He, he's not weak in his spirit. He's weak in his flesh. He may be starting to be weak in, in his mind. And so the devil hits him in his weakest spot, which is his tactic, he will always hit you at your weakest spot when you are the most vulnerable. And he said to Jesus, he said, if, if you really are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread because I know you're hungry and you can satisfy your own hunger. And Jesus said something that he quoted from Deuteronomy. He said, no, the scriptures say, this is verse 4, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was saying, I get my strength not from food. I get my strength from the word of God. I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about spiritual strength. And that spiritual strength will then interpolate, let's put it that way. It will transfer into physical strength and mental strength. Jesus was saying, no, I don't need bread to strengthen my spirit. I need the word of God and I will hear the word of God and I will do the word of God. And that is my daily bread. Everybody say daily bread. The first step to living an overcoming life and living above the curse that's on this earth, becoming out and being different is first we accept the Bible as God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Are you ready? 
The Bible says, this is what the Word of God says. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God, God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do good work. Now, now, all Scripture is God-breathed, comes from the mouth of God. All Scripture is inspired by God, comes out of God's mouth. And men, men wrote it as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to catch this in verse 17. God uses the Scripture, God uses the Bible to prepare you and to equip you. God uses the Bible to prepare you and equip you for the things that he created you for and for the things that are coming up in your life. There are going to be things that come up in your life this week. God wants to prepare you. God wants to equip you. Now, now, um, if anybody was, if, if anybody, you know, knew of me two years ago, I was a, I'm one, I'm one third less the man than I was, praise the Lord. I was like, roll, roll, roll your pastor gently down the hall. I mean, I was round. You know, I started, I started being very disciplined about seven, eight months ago with my diet after, after, the sur- after we got done with all the surgeries and I could begin to move and exercise again. And I started exercising slowly every day, walking, because that's all I could do is walk. And then in January, I started going to the gym. I go to the gym seven days a week. I go to the gym seven days a week because I have a goal. And the goal is to get to a certain weight, a certain level of fitness, so that I can be effective over the next 25 and 30 years as we build this campus for Iowa. That's the goal. But I'm intentional about it every single day. I not only have to eat right, but I have to exercise. And it's got to be daily because I know this body, it's going to go backwards real quick. And God knows your body. God knows your mind. It will go backwards really quick. We're forgetful hearers. We listen to the word of God, but then we say, what was that I heard? Uh, I remember the pastor was talking about We need to be reminded because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing. It's an activity that you do every single day. And if, brother and sister, if you're trying to be prepared and equipped for life and you're just taking the words that I speak on Sunday and that's what's equipping you, honey, you're in for a bad week. Or you're in for a hard week. When, when every single one of us can get any version of the Bible that we want to on free, on our device, you can, you can get it in print for free. You can access the Bible wherever, you're want, wherever you want to. That is God's way of equipping you. That's God's way of preparing you with his word, which is truth. Has anybody ever heard of Billy Graham? Billy Graham brought in one of the biggest revivals in the history of the world, leading people to Jesus in countless numbers by the thousands. Billy Graham started with Christ for uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. He was kind of an obscure 
preacher, and he had a couple friends that were very intellectual. They were, they were in schools like Harvard and Stanford, and they kept telling them, Billy, that there was something wrong with the Bible. They were, they were preachers too, but they said it didn't match up intellectually, that you couldn't prove some things that were the science. I was talking about psychology and the way, the way that we work, and, 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 and the science wasn't backing some things like the creation story. And Billy was starting to get very frustrated. He, he didn't rise to a place of being effective yet. And he was out at this place getting ready to preach to about a thousand people. And he rode down onto this island and he was practicing preaching, which was his, was, was his habit. And he looked at his Bible and the, the words of his friends rose up inside of him as, that's not true. And he realized that he had a conflict within him. He took his Bible and he set it up on a tree stump. You can go visit this place where this happened. And, and he set it up on a tree stump and he looked at it. And, and, and here's what he said. He was inspired by God. <laughs> he fell to his knees. And he said, God, there are many things in this book I do not understand. He said, there are many problems with it for which I have no solution. There are, there are many seeming uh, contradictions. There, there are some areas that do not seem to correlate with modern science. By the way, science always changes. God's word never does. I can't answer some of these philosophical and psychological questions that his friends were raising. And then he said this. Father, I am going to accept this as your word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go far beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. And I will believe this, this book to be your inspired word. And that was the turning point of his ministry. That night he led 400 people to the Lord and the numbers just kept climbing day after day after day after day. Foundationally, if you are going to change your life, if you're going to let God renew your mind and transform you and bring you to a place that's different from where you're at, we have to foundationally accept that the Bible is God's word. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not always going to make sense in your head. Remember, it's spiritual, and we're, we're fairly natural, even though we're born of the Spirit. Like, you can't even understand the Word of God without the Spirit, is what the Bible says. I have to, I am accepting by, by faith, which means I can't make one and one equal two sometimes with the scriptures. I, I can't come up with a formula that's repeatable, but if he said it, then it must be so. And if there is a problem of it not lining up, I'm going to say, uh, God, it's not you, it must be me. We must accept that God's word is his word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says, Above all, listen to this, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, the prophets were, were moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. One translation says they were moved by the Holy Spirit as they wrote what God was speaking through them. 
It didn't come about because they had an experience and they wanted to relate their experience or, or talk to another group of people about how to handle something the way they think they should be handled. Scripture is God breathed. It came from God, not from the Apostle Paul. It came through the Apostle Paul, but not from. It came through Moses, but not from. Are you getting it? The source of the scripture is God. And I could hear somebody who's intellectual saying, yeah, but what about it? It was translated, and there's 55 different translations, and what about that? Do you remember that the scripture is spiritual? Numa, ruach, which is Hebrew, means breath. Scripture is God breathed, it's spiritual. And so God knew that there was flesh and bone and ink and parchment that he was going to record his word for you and for me. And I'll give you a hint of why, because it doesn't change. We do. We're not playing a, a, a gossip line. We're not playing a telephone game where you're telling me a story and I'm telling a story. And then I'm telling, retelling that and she's retelling that. And eventually it's not even the story. No, this is written. It doesn't change. God chose this medium for you and for me so we could have faith in his process. But he did something so incredible. He took something spiritual and he put it into a natural world. And then he put his spirit in side of you so when you read that natural printed page it becomes a spiritual living document it's alive within you the spirit of God causes the word that you read yesterday to define something today that you're going to need today tomorrow and the next God made a way that he could take Matthew Mark Luke and John and he could use it every single day of your life to prepare you and to equip you and if we're not taking advantage of it on a daily basis it's like not going to the gym no it's like not eating because it's our daily bread we have no spiritual nourishment in other words guess what's happened we are weak on the inside we are starving on the inside because it is your spirit man that sustains you it is your spirit that gives strength to your body it is your spirit and God's spirit within you that gives you the ability to transform the way that you think but without the word of God without the the scripture and the practice of eating it on a daily basis our daily bread we could appear to be no different than the rest of the world number two number one we must accept the Bible as God's word number two we feed on it every single day Everybody say, every day. Now point to your neighbor because you know they're not doing it. Say, every day. He said, every day. Point to your other neighbor and say, he said, every day. Look, he said, every day. He said it. You may not have to spend time reading it. Do you realize that every single one of you can listen to the word of God for free every single day? Matter of fact, I listen and read the Word of God more frequently than I just read. Because I want it going in my ear gate and I want it going in my eye gate. I want it really making a deposit in here. I'm hungry on the inside here. And I find that the rhythm of having somebody read it while I'm reading, it, it just helps me stay with it. I don't, 
I don't get distracted if you know what I mean. The, the listening to faith comes by hearing. Let me tell you why God. One of the reasons God put it into print was so it wouldn't change. Here's another reason God put it into print for you and for me. I can listen to God's word and I can weed my garden. I can listen to God's word and I can change the oil on my motorcycle. I can listen to God's word and I can work out, which means, guess what? I'm not focusing completely on the word of God. Are you hearing me? If I'm going to read the word of God, I need to make my body get still. I need to get my mind to line up with my still body so I can receive. And if I'm going to get anything out of the word of God, I need to get my spirit in the same position. So when I'm reading the word of God and I'm feeding, I'm actually causing my spirit, soul, and body to be right here in one place with one purpose, and that's to feed my spirit so God can equip me and God can prepare me. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God knew this, this world, it's got its own currents. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're not putting your anchor in the word of God every day, you're going to drift and you're going to drift and you're going to drift. You're eventually going to be tossing to and fro with every wind and doctrine. Every problem that you have, every fire that gets started is going to take all of your attention. But if you anchor yourself in the word of God, listen, anchor into the word of God. And when I anchor myself into the word of God daily, I'm feeding on my daily bread. But guess what else is happening? I'm causing my spirit, soul, and body to say, mm, God. God is the most important right now. Every day. Oh, I skip a few days. Here's what happens to me. I start listening to sermons instead of the Bible. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to sermons. I'm saying you replace it. And then guess what happens? Then, then I think, you know what, I'm going to read other books about the Bible or about Christianity. Guess what happens? My chain gets longer. My anchor is being less effective. When I, as soon as I start coming to the Lord on a daily basis, I cinch that thing up. I tighten it up, my spirit, my soul, and body, and I'm able to discern God's voice through the word and through his spirit more clearly Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think now then you'll learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and is perfect you won't change the way you think by just thinking about going to church you won't, you won't transform the way you think if you come to church and you receive only once a week and the rest of the week your chain is getting looser and you're drifting to, to the left and you're drifting to the right. 
Pretty soon, you're listening to the world more than you're listening to God, and your thoughts start sounding. Your thoughts start sounding like the world. Then your words start sounding like the world, and you begin to lose your effectiveness. And then the the curse that's on this earth in that current is going to carry you to shipwreck you on the shore. First, we need to accept the Bible as God's word. Secondly, we need to feed on the word of God every day. I think that's an easy way to, that's why Jesus said it's his daily bread. I think it's an easy way to receive the need. I, I need to eat. I like to eat. But, but I'm eating for strength, not for pleasure now. Now, I, 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 I want to eat, but I want to eat for strength I, I know now if I, if I cut my calories to lose some, then I don't have the, the power, the, the, the ability to, to go through a workout. And I need that workout to strengthen my muscles, which and it, it just works the whole system around. But the minute that I stop, if I cut my calories, I don't have the strength to do the things I need to do at the gym. If you cut your spiritual calories... Where's your strength going to come from? He said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Most Christians are living out of the strength of their will or the strength of, or the strength of their flesh, the strength of their ability, not the strength of the spirit of God, because they have no spiritual strength. I'm telling you how you can get spiritual strength. Eat the word of God every day. Get to know the thoughts of God, the mind of God, the way he thinks, the patterns of how, what goes on through, through his processing of what's good and what's not good for us. Learn God by learning his word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You'll know God when you're in His Word. Third, we need to put God's Word into practice. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus said this to His disciples. He said, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Jesus said, I I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. He was God come in the flesh. He was the Word made manifest, the Word incarnate, the Word come in flesh as a pattern for you and for me to follow God's will. He said, these are not my words. I want you to understand this. These are the words that God spoke. These are the words that God is saying. If you love me, then you will obey me. If you don't love me, you won't obey me. We need to be doers of the word. We need to be doers of the word. We, we not only need to feed on it, we need to let it begin to change the way we think so that we can begin to change the way we act, not trying to please God, but knowing that he's pleased with us and wanting to live up to that. I remember when, when, when this changed in my life in 1996 before I met Pastor Nija. 
I, I was I had just got done in a class in Bible school, and it was it was a, it was a, it was the class was about the Word of God, and it was be ye a doer of the Word, King James. In other words, do what it says. And something went off inside of me that I realized I loved God, but I didn't always do what I read. At first, you have to figure out his original intent and interpret the scripture properly. But I made a decision. I remember it was about tw- it was between twelve and one o'clock because I had just gotten back and was working in my office out out of my little apartment I had down there. And I remember I was getting ready to write a check for my rent out of the business. Well, a lot of people do that. But for months, the Holy Spirit was saying, don't do that. Because really, I only had like 5 to 10% of that apartment was office, and that's really what I should have been deducting as an expense. This was me. This was, I'm not talking about your life. I'm not talking about your accounting. I'm talking about me. So I was getting ready to write it out, and the Holy Ghost said, now, we've talked about this. I said, that's right. I'm going to be a doer of your word. I, I ripped up the check. I avoided the stub. Oh, it was hard. And then I, and then I, and listen, I transferred the money to, from the business account to me as a payment to myself, which was taxable, and I wrote the rent check. And I realized at that point, I don't have to think about being a doer of the word. I just need to do it. And so when I see something in the word, this is my habit. And I had to build this habit. And I have to reinforce this habit. When I see something in the word of God that I'm not doing, I need to start doing it. When? Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not to lay a plan of how I'm going to. Right now. I'm going to make a decision. And when I make that decision, everything from that point on is to line up with that decision. I am going to do God's word. And there's something that I developed in my life that helps me a lot. When I sin or when I see that I am sinning by the word or the spirit of God within me, here's my rule. Repent quickly and as publicly as needed. Well, that'll kill, kill sin in your life. That'll kill disobedience in your life. That'll kill pride in your life. Repent quickly. I mean, as soon as I know, I'm going to, I'm repenting to him. And then as public, if there's other people involved, as publicly as I need to be. My family knows there have been times in the middle of the day, we'll ring that dinner bell and everybody's going, what the heck's going on? And I need to say, I am sorry. I realized I did this this morning and you all heard me and I am sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Repent quickly and as publicly as necessary. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Sitting in a garage, putting your bicycle in the garage where all the fancy tools are will never cause your bicycle to become a hot rod. Take your dog and raise it with cats. He's never going to be a cat. Going to church will not make you a Christian. It helps and it's necessary 
Reading the word of God won't make you a Christian. I know more Muslims that have read the entire Bible than I know Christians because I've met a lot of Muslims overseas. Reading the Bible won't make you a Christian, but it sure gives you the seed to become one. It's doing the word of God. We first must accept that the Bible is the word of God. Then we need to feed on it every single day. And then we need to put into practice or put the habit into our life to begin to do the word of God, which means constant change. And people don't like to change. But I've made up my mind. I am going to change from this day until Jesus takes me home. I am not going to stay in the same place. I will not be the same person tomorrow that I am today. I will not be the same person next year that I am today. I will not be the same person in 30 years that I am today. I will be changed daily because I'm anchoring my spirit, my soul, and my body in the word of God. And I'm believing it is God's word. And I am beginning to do it. I pray that that's your heart. Verse 25 says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, not forgetting what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Well, I thought we're saved by grace. You are. Through faith. Actually, that verse says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is it of yourselves. And you're not saved by the works of your hands so nobody can boast. And people stop. For you were recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. You're saved by grace through faith. So you, you have salvation, and then because you have salvation, you begin to do the good things that he destined for you to do from day one, that he purposed for you. We discover those things when we're in the word of God. Psalms 119, verse 11. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart. I like what he put here. So that I might not sin against you. Daily. I anchor myself. Daily we anchor ourselves. And we, we guard our heart. We guard our heart by putting the word of God in our heart. Feeding ourselves daily with something that comes from his breath, comes from his mouth, is spiritual, that will sustain us and strengthen us. And then we begin every day. Praise the Lord. Pray. It's not for, I mean, I'm not like pointing to you, say this is for you, but that's not what I'm doing. I just got, you know, something dropped on the inside of me. What if daily we begin to read the Word of God? It's a cathedral family. We begin to read the Word of God every day, looking for something that we could change in our lives. Wow. 
instead of looking for the new revelation, new excitement, you know, new doctrine, they don't exist. But, but what if we went into the Word of God every day, like we're looking in a mirror, looking to see what we could change to be better? What if our purpose wasn't to impress people with our knowledge of the scripture, but it was to impress him because we're becoming more like him? Accept God's word as his word. The Bible is your word. I'm going to feed on it every single day, and I am going to change and be a doer of your word. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said this, but it's even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. God's word is like our operational manual for our earthly existence. God's God's word, the Bible, is a light for us in the dark world. God's word, the Bible, is a roadmap Listen, it's your roadmap to his intended destination for you. God's word is his wisdom that's available to you and me whenever we want it. God's word, the Bible, is life to our spirit. God's word is our daily bread. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter preached the gospel for the very first time and and all these Israelites and people from other nations were out there and he said, men of God, what must we do? What What must we do? It pricked their hearts. They realized they were coming up short and Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the promise. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, this promise is not only for you, it's for your children and all who are far away and all who call upon the name of the Lord. God's Spirit in you. Guys, Jesus died on that cross and suffered the agony of hell so that he could pay the penalty, so he could pay the fine, so, so he could even you up with God so God could forgive you and recreate you so he could put his spirit inside of you. And he said he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. He'll be your strength. He'll be the one who guides you. He'll be your helper. He'll be your advocate. He, he'll be all that you have need of the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ, the love of God shed broad in your heart, the faith of God, which will give you the capacity to do things that you're scared to do now. God's spirit in you, guaranteeing your inheritance, the redemption of your body in heaven. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes with me this morning? The good news is God's not mad at you. He loves you with all of his heart. There's nothing he will withhold from you. He's made a way that we could have peace with him and we could join with him and we could know him. 
The truth is Jesus. The light is Jesus. The life is Christ. The way is Jesus. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, you can be saved, but you must confess him as Lord out of your mouth. And that means you begin to live under his lordship. If you want to make that commitment this morning, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to come up. I just want you to slip up your hand right now so I know who to pray with. Yes. Is there anybody else? Yes. Yes. I see that. Is there anybody else? Let's put our hands in our heart with those who raise their hands and let's all make this good confession. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus. I believe you sent him to die for me. I believe you raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. I make Jesus my Lord today. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. I will live for you to the best of my ability for the rest of my days. And give the Lord a hand clap of praise for those who came to Jesus this morning.